I'm Jasmine Moulton, and it's time for a reality check. Reality Check is a new True North podcast that uses facts and logic to debunk the favorite arguments of the left. Here's how today's show will roll out. We'll play clips of the leftists making these arguments, then we'll equip you with the facts that you need to debunk these arguments when you hear them in common conversation. At the end, we'll give a quick recap. Today, we'll be discussing the housing affordability crisis in Canada. But before we get into the leftist clips on this issue, let's just do a brief overview of the housing affordability crisis in Canada, just so we're all on the same page. When I'm talking about housing affordability, I'm using the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, CMHC's definition, which is this. A house is considered affordable when it costs 30% or less than a household's pre-tax income. Those costs include your mortgage, your interest payments, and any sort of bills associated with a house. Now here's where we get into trouble. RBC Economics released a housing report in June, and its aggregate affordability measure for Canada surged to 54% in the first quarter of 2022, and they called that the worst level of affordability since the 1990s. The report also notes that, quote, the Bank of Canada's forceful interest rate hiking campaign will further inflate ownership costs in the near term, putting RBC's national affordability measure on a path to worst ever levels. The report found that Vancouver and Toronto are the worst housing markets for affordability in Canada. The report noted that housing affordability in Vancouver is now at 111% for a single detached home, meaning the median pre-tax income per household in Vancouver isn't even enough to cover the cost of housing. Perhaps even more alarming, the report found that a one percentage point rate increase in interest rates raises mortgage payments by more than $600 per month in Vancouver and 554 in Toronto. The report went on to note, in March, the Bank of Canada initiated a hiking cycle that we expect will culminate in a 250 basis point increase in its policy rate by the fall. As of June, half of that is still to come. Overall, the RBC Economics Report emphasized that Canadians are facing the worst housing affordability crisis in a generation. While everybody in Canada agrees that housing affordability is an issue, not everybody agrees on the solution. Take a listen. One of the initiatives we're working on, $4 billion towards municipalities in order to double the construction of new housing over the coming years. Uh, this is something that uh, is going to help, uh, whether it's uh, enough or directly uh, going to be helping your son, uh, we'll have to see because there's not just one program that's going to help anyone, there's going to be a range of programs from uh, programs of renting to own uh, that we've launched as well in this budget, from programs uh, that are helping the first time home buyers uh, with with uh, increased incentives uh, and uh, reduction in their mortgage costs. Um, initiatives uh, to build uh, greater density, particularly around public transit, that are going to allow people to get into the housing market with uh, their first uh, starter condo, starter home. These are the kinds of things that get people's toes in the door. Um, we know that young people need to be able to build the stable base with which they want to start a family, give their future kids the kinds of opportunities that their parents worked hard to give them. And that's what uh, this budget and this focus of the government is on right now. But it's not going to be easy. It's going to take a number of years. And anyone who's promising that they have a quick fix for it 
is not being straight with Canadians. It's going to take all of us working together to curb foreign speculation, to make sure the market is fairer, to create more housing units and offer, uh, and to support families being able to save up to do that. And that's very much what we're focused on. For our audio-only listeners, that was Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He was listing off his government's solutions to fix this housing affordability issue in Canada. Now, I heard a lot of big government approach, more spending, more taxes, more regulation, etc. But to give credit where credit's due, there were some elements like a tax-free saving account for first-time home buyers that were not big government solutions. But overall, it's clear that the Liberal government's approach to fix this housing affordability crisis in Canada is more government. When it comes to Canada's housing affordability issue, leftists will always say that more government is a solution, more government regulation, more government spending or social programs, more taxes. But the reality is, too much government is the reason there's a housing affordability crisis in this country. As with any market, Canada's housing market relies on the basic economic principles of supply and demand. Supply is not kept up with the increases in demand, hence the upward price pressure on housing in Canada. But governments in Canada at all three levels, municipal, provincial, and federal, exacerbate this issue in three main ways. One, they restrict the supply of housing. Two, they increase the demand for housing. And three, they add taxes and fees that make housing more expensive. So let's start off with the first way that governments make housing in Canada more expensive by restricting supply. Governments specifically at the municipal and provincial level could speed up the supply of new housing if they acted promptly and reasonably on zoning matters. Unfortunately, that's too often not the case. In my home province of Ontario, for example, there's upwards of a seven-year waiting list by the time developers purchase a plot of land to the time they can even get shovels in the ground. Seven or more years, imagine purchasing a piece of land and having to pay the taxes on it and just hold that capital in the land for close to a decade. Of course, housing is gonna be expensive when it's that capital intensive. And during that time, the cost of labor and housing materials all goes up. It is simply unacceptable that municipal and provincial governments are so incompetent that it takes close to a decade to start building new homes in this province. Hundreds of thousands of new homes are being held up because of this across the province. And Ontario's former Liberal Premier, Kathleen Wynne, does not deserve credit on this front because she and her government actually dismantled the Ontario Municipal Board, which was in charge of speeding up the approvals process. Now, instead, many of these zoning and appeals processes go back to big city councils that are bureaucratic and not quick at all in their approvals process. Zoning and regulatory issues really do lie at the heart of this supply issue in the housing affordability crisis in Canada. Big city councils are debating every minor issue and they're also subjected to various requests and demands from these NIMBY or not in my backyard special interest groups and all of this compounds to delay and delay and delay new home builds. If you consider for example the city of Toronto, it's less than half as dense as the city of New York. But if we switch from buying homes to looking at renting, governments also impose delays on the supply of new rental units as well. One main way that they deter investment into purpose-built rentals is by threatening policies such as rent control. Take a listen. That's why today I am so delighted to be standing here in Scarborough Agent Court with Sue and Manal and Mitzi to announce that an Ontario Liberal government would reinstate rent control all across this province on every property, on every building. We know, we know again that right here, right here in Scarborough and elsewhere, that rents continue to go up because of the inaction, because Doug Ford has cho chosen to side 
with the speculators instead of with tenants and everyday hardworking families. In addition to bringing back real rent control across the board, Ontario Liberals will also make sure that more resources are provided to help deal with enforcement for bad actors in this industry. We'll bring forward more resources to clear the backlog in terms of landlord and tenant relations and the back and forth that occurs there. And we're going to help to provide a sensible and responsible legal framework for tenants and for owners who want to engage in a rent-to-own framework going forward. Now, for our audio-only listeners, that was Stephen Del Duca. He was the former Liberal leader in Ontario in provincial politics, and he's talking there about rent control. Economist Asar Lindbeck described rent control as the most efficient technique presently known to destroy a city, except for bombing, and Lindbeck could not be more accurate. It's a well-known fact that rent control discourages investment into purpose-built rentals. The reason for this is obvious. If you were an investor looking to get a return on your investment, why would you ever park your money where the government's going to regulate the amount of profit that you can make and, in some cases, limit it altogether? The issue of rent control really does deserve its own dedicated podcast because it's something that the left returns to. They go back and back after every election. It seems to come into fashion. But it really is a terrible idea that has been proven to be ineffective time and time again. This kind of harmful rhetoric from our political leaders such as Stephen Del Duca can have a lasting impact, sending shockwaves through the investment industry. So instead of scaring investors away from the prospect of purpose-built rentals, governments could do a lot to instead incentivize them. For example, if they reduce development charges and taxes on purpose-built rentals, I'm sure that would catch a lot of investors' attention. And as we've already mentioned, increasing supply tends to have a downward price pressure on rental unit costs. As RBC Economics noted, when rental vacancy rates go below 3% in a city, that's when the cost of rent starts to go up. As a quick recap, governments in Canada restrict the supply of housing in three ways. One, through a lengthy zoning process and regulatory delays. Two, through large city councils that are susceptible to NIMBY special interests. And three, by threatening policy changes such as rent control that deter development. All right, let's move on to the next way that the government exacerbates the housing affordability crisis in Canada, and that is by increasing demand. Canada's population is rapidly growing. It's growing the fastest in the G7, and it's growing at twice the rate that the U.S. population is growing. According to data from the Smart Prosperity Institute, since 2016, after Trudeau came to power and started boosting immigration, the province of Ontario has seen 414,000 new households formed, but built only 349,000 new homes for them. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you're increasing the number of people who need a home, the demand for homes goes up, but you're not increasing the supply at the same rate. Clearly, demand has outstripped supply and you're going to have upward price pressure. But to be clear for all those listening to the show, this is not an argument against immigration, but it is an argument against irresponsible government policies that ignore the supply side of the housing issue and exacerbate it by increasing the demand. Now, let's get to the third way that governments at all levels across the country increase the cost of housing, therefore exacerbating the affordability crisis, and that is through taxes and fees. Now, every single politician in Canada at every single level of government talks about the housing affordability crisis. They talk about how terrible it is, how sad it is that children the next generation can't afford to buy homes, especially in the neighborhoods where they grew up. But at the same time, these same politicians are charging outrageous fees and taxes on homes in their communities. For example, 
The Building Industry and Land Association found that some development charges in the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area, had increased by up to 878% since 2004. That adds a cost of 164000 per condo unit in Toronto. If municipal politicians were actually concerned about housing affordability in their jurisdictions, they'd have a lot of tools at their disposal. They could reduce development charges, they could reduce property taxes, but you don't see that happening anywhere. And there's good reason for that. The housing industry really is politicians' own personal ATM. And these taxes and fees are no small sum. Consider property taxes in the biggest city in the province that I live in, for example, Toronto. The average selling price for a single detached home in Toronto right now is around $1.6 million. If you look at the property tax rate in Toronto on that average single detached home price, you'd be paying over $10,000 a year in property taxes. That's a lot of money. And Toronto is the only city in Ontario that charges double land transfer tax. So if you move anywhere else in Ontario, you'd pay land transfer tax once to the province. But Toronto, arbitrarily, has doubled that amount. So for example, if we consider this $1.6 million single detached average home sale price in Toronto, the amount of land transfer tax that you'd pay adds up quick. You'd pay about $28,500 to the province, you'd pay about $28,500 to the city, and quickly that adds up to $57,000. It should be clear to everybody listening that by now, governments are a lot more concerned about their own revenues than they are about housing affordability. But politicians love to distract from this fact by scapegoating foreign buyers. So let's take an honest look at this claim that foreign buyers are the culprits behind the Canadian housing affordability crisis. Consider this. Ontario's non-resident speculation tax collected a meager 156 payments in Toronto in the first quarter of 2019, while the city expects to grow by 41,000 people per year. So it becomes evident quite quickly that, at best, foreign buyers are a drop in the bucket. They are not a significant driver of prices in the Canadian housing market. If they were, the two hottest housing markets in the country, both Vancouver and Toronto, would have cooled after both places respectively introduced their own foreign buyers tax. What happened instead was that both markets kind of paused, figured out what sort of impact that would have, and then they carried on as per usual. These taxes have not had an impact because foreign buyers are not truly the main cause or the main culprit or even a significant one behind the cost of housing in Canada. The Canadian government doesn't even track the total number of foreign buyers, so it's odd to hear all of these federal politicians across the political spectrum scapegoating foreign buyers as the problem behind the Canadian housing market affordability crisis because they don't even know how many there are. Nobody does. We're not tracking it. But let's just pretend for a moment that there are even a handful of these foreign buyers in the Vancouver and Toronto markets. As we saw in Toronto, the amount of property tax that you would pay on the average single detached home is over $10,000 a year. So if it is the case that there's a foreign buyer who has purchased a unit or a home, left it vacant, they're still paying property taxes on that property, but they're not consuming any of the services. So if anything, they're contributing $10,000 in taxes without draining the system. My point is that this foreign buyer issue is marginal at best, 
very much overblown by politicians who are looking to cover their own tracks and culpability in the housing affordability crisis. Ultimately, it wouldn't matter if foreign buyers were buying these units if there wasn't a shortage of supply. And as we've already pointed out, it's the government's fault that there's suffocating supply in this country. Next up, let's talk affordable housing. Leftist politicians are obsessed with affordable housing as a solution to Canada's unaffordable housing market. Take a listen. It hasn't been treated like the crisis it is. So what we're proposing is some concrete steps. Let's massively invest in housing as a way to create jobs locally in communities and as a way to ensure people have a place to call home. We want to see people have a place they can buy. We want to make sure that there's affordable rental. And so what we're proposing is investing massively to create half a million new homes, investing in cooperatives, in not-for-profits, building apartments, building townhouses, building houses. We want to build massively as a way to recover out of this pandemic and a way to build forward for the future. For our audio-only listeners, that was federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh talking about affordable housing in Canada. But he's not the only one who thinks that this is a solution to the housing affordability crisis. Under Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, the Liberal plan also includes spending, and I quote, $2.7 billion over four years to build and preserve more affordable housing. But the problem is, the government doesn't have money to pay for this. Either we're going to have to increase current taxes, or we're going to have to add this onto the national credit card and ask taxpayers to pick up the tab plus interest down the line. Obviously, either of these scenarios would exacerbate affordability in Canada. And just as a reminder, adding a tab to our future credit card bill really is not a good idea because Justin Trudeau has been doing that since the moment he got into office. He's already doubled the debt. The country's national debt has already surpassed $1 trillion and he adds over $144 million to the debt every single day. So remember at the beginning of the podcast when we read that clip from RBC Economics that said inflation is spurring a rate hike that should worry everybody? Yeah, Justin Trudeau's spending has a lot to do with that. What causes inflation? Government spending. In a nutshell, inflation went through the roof following COVID because during COVID, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government spent well beyond its means historic levels of spending. Long story short, the Bank of Canada facilitated that spending spree by printing money. When there's more money in circulation without the economic growth to justify it, that's when inflation occurs. Now, the main way that the Bank of Canada can curb inflation is through raising interest rates. And while this tool may be good at curbing inflation, it has other downsides as well. Obviously, it will add fuel to the fire of the affordability crisis in Canada's housing market. And as you'll recall from the beginning of the show, RBC Economics stated that a one percentage point rate increase raises mortgage payments by more than $600 per month in Vancouver and $554 per month in Toronto. So while the federal government loves to say that they really are invested in this housing affordability crisis and they really care, clearly you have them to thank for your increased mortgage interest payment every month. So let's do a quick recap. Leftists love to say that more government spending and more government programs are required in order to combat the increasing affordability crisis in Canada's housing market. This is obviously false, and here's how you counter that argument. Number one, identify that government at all levels in Canada, municipal, provincial, and federal, government is the reason that housing is unaffordable in this country. And number two, explain that government drives up the cost of housing in three ways. One, by suffocating supply, two, by exacerbating demand, and three, by imposing hefty taxes and charges on new developments. So here's a reality check. Canadian politicians are trying to distract from their own role in the housing affordability crisis by scapegoating foreign buyers, for example, but 
they are the reason the government government at all levels in this country is the reason that there's a housing affordability crisis in canada the solution is more supply not more spending not more government not more bureaucracy we don't need more government we need government to get out of the way we need more homes that's our show this week thank you for listening if you liked what you heard please subscribe to our youtube channel uh, share the show with your friends if you follow us on wherever you get your podcasts please give us a five-star review so others like you can find the show thanks for listening. I'm Jasmine Moulton, and this is Reality Check. Hey!